Good evening, world. This is the podcast, Ask the Press, and your hostess, Laura Cattell. Welcome back. We are getting into the thick of things. And we're just a little bit half past the halfway point in the book, Manifesting Change with Mike Dooley. Manifesting Change, it couldn't be easier, to be specific. And we left off yesterday at Never Attached to the Outcome, obviously. We've been going over that particular subject quite a bit, stressing it in as many possible ways as it could possibly be done to start with the end result in mind. And you've been given a matrix and how to play that matrix and the flow of that matrix. You've been given tools and guidance on where to start and how you're going to have the most success, most success, excuse me, by starting with happiness, because that gives the universe the broadest general latitude to manifest the life that would make you the happiest. And a lot of times the fear is, well, if I only focus on happiness, what happens if I'm sick or lonely or broke? And the problem with that thinking is you probably won't be very happy if you are sick, lonely, or broke. By focusing on manifesting happiness, you're giving the universe the broadest latitude to make you as rich and surrounded by friends and in the best health with the best love life for you. Without you figuring out all the other stuff. It is absolutely fine, and we went over this yesterday, to use vision boards and to have an idea of the thing you want to get you into that frame, that state of mind, but not to attach to it. Always give yourself room for better, right? So today we're going back in, starting with never attached to the outcome. And before we get any further, I want to do my shout out to the restaurant industry. Thank you so much, everyone who works in food service for doing what you do. I know how hard you work. I know how many knife cuts and pan burns and fryer burns and oops I almost lost my finger or oops I did lose my finger. Parts that the rest of the world doesn't see. Thank you for doing what you do. And I know it's been a trying time. A stupidly, horribly, ridiculously trying time. I am begging, I am pleading, I am asking. Please don't quit. Please don't quit. You matter. You deserve to be here. You deserve to be happy. Focus on that happiness and please don't quit. Okay. So, never attach to the outcome. And I'm going to start off just a little bit behind so that we can uh, catch up. Um, Left off yesterday with, I'm not saying don't imagine the details. I'm saying do not attach to them. It's entirely how you view those images on your vision board or scrapbook 
that will determine whether or not you're properly playing the matrix. Right? We just went over that. So never attach to the outcome. The second question that's been raised among my audience members, and maybe in your head right now, is tied to the commonly heard advice that says, never attach to the outcome. In other words, never attach to the end result. Have you ever heard that before? I'm sure you have, and it's actually good advice. But it seems to be diametrically opposed to everything I've just told you about beginning with an end result. Let me ask you, what are most people's end results? What are the outcomes in life most people attach to? Yes, items on the right side of the matrix. Right side of the matrix being the more specific things, like the specific house, the specific person, the specific job. So, right side of the matrix. Most people's outcomes or end results involve specific people or are significantly dependent upon time, spate, space, or certain material things. And because that's where most people focus when it comes to end results and outcomes, the advice is wise indeed. Do not attach to end results or outcomes. But with what we've covered already in this chapter, if people begin understanding that their end results should always be general, ideally happiness, but no more refined than abundance, livelihood, health, relationships, or appearance, then attach, attach, attach. How else could you expect there to be change unless you focus on it, insist upon it, attach to it, and move with it. As natural born creators, it's our obligation and responsibility to choose what we want for our lives, but in general terms, without limiting ourselves and universal principles by insisting on unimportant details or cursed hows. Helping others. Now, let me add one more point of clarification. The six columns of the matrix reveal anything and everything from the entire spectrum of reality that you could choose for desired change. It includes, and you could choose, your boss giving you a raise and your child's happiness. I haven't said you couldn't choose whatever you want, even from the far right column, but I want you to understand how the matrix flows, how manifestations can or cannot affect dream other dreams and end results. I want you to understand what happens when you push certain buttons where you place your attention and what the likely consequences may or may not be. If you're visualizing your own happiness, everything else in your life will take care of itself as you physically move with and toward happiness. If, however, you're wishing for little Johnny's happiness, there will be limits to what you can achieve because little Johnny will have his own agenda, wishes, desires, ambitions, thoughts, and beliefs. And should you even succeed, if this were your only life objective, your own happiness may be completely unaffected.
This, incidentally, doesn't mean that you shouldn't try to help your children find their place with your thoughts and other efforts, or that you can't be very influential. Moreover, the example of wanting to positively influence your own children is far removed from trying to influence other people to serve your end results. Nevertheless, by visualizing someone else's happiness, no matter who they are, you will help them if and only if they are open to receiving help. Good thoughts for anyone will be received and understood. In a sense, it's like sending a love note. So just go for it. Just understand that whether or not they open that love note and whether or not they choose to react to that love note in a positive way is entirely up to them. In this regard, when you have desires for someone else, you don't want to attach your happiness to the manifestation of those desires. I think that's the best way that's ever been put on why you shouldn't try manipulating people, i.e. trying to manifest that specific person into your life. They don't have to open that love note. They're conscious creators of, on their own. They don't have to like you. They don't have to love you. You can't make them like you. You can't make them love you. As gut-wrenching and deflating as that is to come to a realization to, you can't make people like you. You can't force someone to love you. Because every other human being on earth is its own conscious, free, will-creating being. I had something in my head, and then it went fleeting. My apologies. Okay, so... I think we have reached... Nope, not quite. Okay, so we are actually going to do a little exercise. And it starts off with the rah-rah, you can do this! Alright, so... Here's a simple little exercise that will help you better understand the distinction and importance between your generalized and detailed desires. Using the work area on page 92, which is the next page, choose a Fantastic Five area of your life that you'd like to change. The Fantastic Five being livelihood, abundance, health, relationships, and appearance. Then make a list of the happy consequences and details you'd experience from successfully bringing about this change. So not what you're going through currently, but this is how you imagine how your happiness would look if you got, you know, your abundance up to snuff, and if your your health, you're perfectly healthy, or if you had the perfect partner, or if you look fabulous, all those things, right? So 
You make a list of the happy consequences and details you'd experience from successfully bringing about this change. Okay, pick from the Fantastic Five. <clears throat> By the way, I've heard from some of my audiences that consequences is a loaded word with negative connotations. That this is not my intent. I'm using it to mean the byproducts of change. We're going to use the right side of the table to define your life in terms of the consequences that come from successfully creating the Fantastic Five category change listed. This is where you can put in loads of details, and details are good. The details are awesome for getting emotionally excited about the big life, big picture life changes you desire. We just don't want to attach to them, or worse, unwittingly swap them for the big picture change. In the right column, also list how you'll feel about the accomplishment, as well as all of the material things you'd then have in your life once you've successfully manifested change in the listed category. Make the list of details at least a dozen points long, and if you're getting carried away with the fun, make it much longer using your own paper on the back of this book. Or excuse me, using your own paper or the back of this book. With this exercise, I wanted to achieve three things. First, I wanted you to discern the difference between being general and being detailed, and have an understanding of what I mean when I say consequences. They always come about after you manifest the larger, more general change that you set out to manifest. They are never connected to how you bring about the change, nor do they include details of its acquisition. Go beyond the change and imagine how your life will be after you already have the abundance, the new relationship, the svelte... I'm going to try that one again. The svelte physique. That's a tongue twister. Going from S to P quickly or whatever it is you choose at the start of this exercise. I wanted you to really get into that world of your end result as if the changes had already happened. Okay, so the exercise goes like this. Get yourself a blank piece of paper. You can uh, it's pr probably preferred that you use um, notebook paper, not necessarily completely blank like construction paper. And on the left is your Fantastic Five category. And on the right is all of the details and byproducts, as he puts it, of attaining that that thing in that category out of the Fantastic Five, excuse me. So, right, you're, so if you're looking for abundance, abundance goes in the left-hand category, and on the right-hand side, you start listing off all the things that you'd have once you became abundant. Right, money in the bank account, um, new sports car, that house in the Cayman, or that house on the beach, uh, slush fund in the Caymans, whatever it is, right? All the details that you'd have as a byproduct. Okay, so that's that's it's very basic. It's very basic. So the second thing I wanted to demonstrate is that it is from the general big picture end result that the details and consequences flow. The loose generality gives rise to innumerable possibilities 
as far as the consequences go. You could probably extend your list many more pages, especially considering that some of your details could then make could then make possible even more details. And this flow from the big picture to the details is mirrored in the flow of all time-space manifestations, not just revealing that the generality makes the details possible, but also reflecting that the flow does not work in reverse. For instance, if you begin the exercise by first listing details like owning a Ferrari, a boat, and a condo in Hawaii. Such details in and of themselves do not automatically mean you're truly wealthy, as each could either come with its own debts attached, or these items could perhaps be your only possessions. Moreover, without the clarity that true financial abundance is what you're really after, if that was the category you chose, it may never actually be considered and focused upon if you are not explicitly stating so. Makes a very good point. You could have won the Ferrari from a uh, lottery or like Omaze type of thing. The boat doesn't have to be big, so if all you're concentrating on is a boat, you could have gotten a dinghy. And uh, you can have that condo in Hawaii, but maybe you're only barely making rent. This is how more details lead into more details lead into more details, right? Because what you really want is to own a for Let's use that as the example. What you really want is to own that Ferrari with just as dazzling and fast a boat with its own dock right off your paid-for condo in Hawaii that's in the penthouse suite and you have your own concierge okay then what are you putting in the condo is the condo condo furnished Do you have gas for the boat Do you have money in your bank account you see how all those details start adding up so third and finally I wanted to illustrate that vast difference in importance between the general category versus its consequences and details correct me if I'm wrong but the thing that really matters most to you is changing that big general area of your life right not one of the consequences or details even comes close to being as important to you can you see this distinction I bet that when you look at your list in this exercise you could probably tear off and trash an entire page of details and replace it with another list of details that would be equally satisfying to you until now however most people, upon learning of their manifesting powers, almost immediately latch onto a specific car, diet, home, or job, lose their focus on the big picture, and give their power away to other people, mistakenly thinking that if they have enough little successes, the big picture will take care of itself. 
Yet if one never gives the big picture any attention or thought, the approach is almost doomed at the outset. Alright, so we'll stop there. That's a nice stopping point for today. Tomorrow we will pop back in with getting into the details and continue with this riveting explanation of manifestation and how it truly works. So let's go over a little bit today. So he went over three things. So first, he wanted you to discern the difference between being general and being detailed. Second, is I wanted to demonstrate that it is from the general big picture and results that the details and consequences flow. And third, he wanted to illustrate the vast difference in importance between the general category versus its consequences and details. It's a very simple exercise. And of course, as I you know, just demonstrated, um, you can, once you get started with the details, it gets going and going and going and going, all right? You have a beautiful penthouse condo and, you know, all the furniture was donated by a high-end designer. Right? Or you get to go to Milan and uh, pack it with precious artworks. I don't know. I'm just, like, spitballing here. Right? And your the way you pay for it all is that you have, you know... Residual payments from real estate and uh, stock market and forex trading and you know whatever else you can think of. It starts getting more and more detailed, right? The point is not to attach to the details. When you're making it that big that you've got a Ferrari and a boat and a paid-for penthouse, I promise you, you have more than one stream of income coming in. More than one. I'd venture to say more than five. That's how the rich get rich. They never put all their eggs in one basket. They figure out how to leverage their time better and network, and they make companies that run themselves. Those companies then pay them. If one goes under, they still get a paycheck. That's how those guys rise to, rise to the top. So. I know. You're like, how the heck do you do that? Again, we had this discussion. Right? Do you really want to make a million dollars a year? Do you really want, do you really want to make $10 million a year? Or $100 million a year? Because I promise you, every single one of those levels requires a different level of you. Requires a different level of you. Alright. But that's good though. Those type of exercises, there's um... There was one I got from... Leslie Virgin? Yeah, but I mean this has been like repeated from a lot of people, is he would go to the wealthiest neighborhood he could find, and he would just look at the houses, and he would start writing down his perfect day. 
And he just kept writing and kept writing and kept writing and kept writing. And he would get into the details and get into the details. What makes my perfect day? And eventually his life started to turn around. But he would go and surround himself. He'd get himself out of his the environment that he was in. He'd go surround himself with you know beautiful homes. He'd imagine himself walking the halls, right, in these big beautiful homes, as if they were his. Imagining that he was wealthy enough to own it without it feeling scary, without it feeling abnormal, without it feeling like he didn't deserve it. Then he would write, he would take a notebook with him and he would write out his perfect day. Every single day. He's got notebooks full of his perfect day written out, you know, however many thousands of times. There is something that happens when you write it out physically on a page. And you put pen to paper and it goes from your head to the paper. There's just some connection that happens. I don't think we've properly explain that one yet but there is a connection that happens it's a rather beautiful connection that happens alright but that's about the same thing right you're writing down what you want to manifest out of that particular category in the same way that Wesley Virgin writing out his perfect day over and over again. It's the same type of a concept. You're forcing your mind to create details, which means you're forcing your mind to believe that those details are possible. Because you're thinking them into existence. Alright? You're creating the thought. You're okay. What? What else? What other? What other details? What else? What, how can I expand upon this? What? What do I? What am I waking up in? Right. So he would start with. Like I don't just get like general. I wake up and it's the ocean and it, I'm having a beautiful day. No, no, no. He like I wake up in my custom-built, four-story, multi-tiered home on the beach with the breeze blowing through the window in my silk sack my silk sheets right he gets detailed don't be afraid to get detailed it's your dream so it's a similar similar exercise and that's a wonderful reminder I love that exercise, that that perfect day, because as you write it the next time, and then as you write it the next time, and then as you write it the next time, you're filling in more details, you're coming up with new tate, do new details, excuse me, I got the hiccups tonight and I don't know why, I can't stop it. <clears throat> and then your mind starts living in that perfect day. And as your mind starts living in that perfect day on a repeated basis, your life starts to shift and grow into that interior space you've been creating. Okay? Again, the mind cannot distinguish between a lived experience 
or a visualization, something in your imagination. We've done many, many, many studies that support this. They're fascinating. I wish I could list them all. Went over that several podcasts ago now. All right, the mind cannot distinguish. So when you're repeating something to yourself, and if you're doing that day after day after day after day, your mind starts to think that it's real. Like, this is where you go when you're going to go live real. Like, this is your house that you live in real. The more real you can get it, the quicker it comes. Okay? So, we will stop there, and tomorrow we'll hop back in with getting into the details. Just make sure you don't get attached to them. Alright? Always leave yourself room for better. So give yourself a little wiggle, get on a little stretch, and we will do our two-minute brain break. And I almost blew back on my cat. I'm sorry, baby. No wonder my back was warm. You're a silent one, aren't you? All right. Go ahead and close your eyes. And take a nice, slow, deep breath in. And let it back out. And take another nice, luxurious deep breath in. Just let your awareness settle into the space. And breathe.
And when you're ready, go ahead and open your eyes. And again, I do apologize. I'm in the midst of moving. Things are moving around downstairs and other places, and I do try and keep the noise down, but sometimes it just can't be avoided. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for being here. I will see you guys tomorrow. I can't wait to see you back here. Thank you so much. Have a great night. This is the podcast. Sassafras. This is the podcast. Sassafras. Good night. <laughs>